Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional sport water bottle, and that steamy beet treat. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut. To explore the bounds of your pleasure, new content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. I've been thinking about President Trump, and I think I finally crystallized my thoughts into a very succinct point. Women across the country are also thinking about President Trump, and today we are talking with some participants in Spaceship Media's bipartisan project, The Many. This is Sarah from the left. And Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsu Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome to another episode of Pantsu Politics. We hope we have lots of new listeners. After our interview with Jen Hatmaker, we've really appreciated all the kind feedback, and I'm waiting patiently for someone to cross-stitch. Jesus doesn't need the permission of the patriarchy and send it our way. I'm really excited about that. I know someone out there is doing that. I can just feel it. We also are going to do a little introduction of our show and what nuance means for many of y'all new to the show, and we can't wait to do that. And then we have 
an exciting new membership drive Beth is going to tell us about. Yes. So Pantsuit Politics is listener supported. Part of the reason that we feel like we're able to bring you nuanced discussion is because we are our own bosses here at Pantsuit Politics. And that is made possible by people who listen to us. So I just want to quickly let you know about some cool rewards that you can get on patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics. At the $15 level, you get a bonus episode every month. We do that by video. And sometimes you get to see a whole lot of our lives, like last month when my daughter Ellen was in the video asking for chocolate milk. This <laughs> month, we are going to talk about this whole conversation happening in the wake of the terrorism incident in Canada that's prompted a discussion about involuntary celibacy, which is just a phrase that we cannot wait to dig into. And I would also like it stricken from the English language, but whatever. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, we're also going to talk about the redistribution of sex opinion piece from Ross Duthat in the New York Times. So that's the May bonus episode coming up at the $15 a month level. At $25 a month, we have a brand new feature called the Nightly Nuance. So if you would like a 10-minute podcast from us every single day, Monday through Thursday, about stories that we just can't get to on the show or that pop up in between recordings, and that happens every day, um, you can get that for $25 a month at patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics. We really appreciate everyone's support. Last night, just to give you a sample of the nightly nuance, I talked about the anti-abortion legislation that was just passed in Iowa and talked a little bit about the state of Iowa generally and kind of what conditions caused that to pass and what might happen with it from here. So first up, we had Amanda reach out and say, what do you mean by nuance? That's an excellent question, Amanda. Yes. And it's a question that we, I think, have evolved in our understanding of and will continue to evolve our understanding of. When we started Pantsy Politics, nuance came to us because of a blog post that I wrote as a guest on Sarah's uh, digital house. And in that post, I talked about things that Sarah often refers to as very quaint in retrospect, like Caitlyn Jenner winning the Arthur Ashe Award, like Cecil the Lion. Oh, Cecil the Lion. Remember him? I do. And how we have kind of lost our capacity on social media to understand words like bravery in any context. And part of what I was trying to say is there's there's nuance around saying that Caitlyn Jenner is brave because you don't just you don't mean that she's brave to the exclusion of all other acts of bravery. You wouldn't say something like, hey, it's really brave that you started a business. I mean, not like cancer survivor brave or like Navy SEAL brave, but it's a little brave. You know, like we're we're kind of losing the fact that words have meanings that are on spectrums. And that's where we started. I think as we've talked more, we've come to see nuance less as a noun and more as a verb and just this practice of coming together looking for our commonality and looking for context and looking for where we're wrong, as Jen Hatmaker talked about, like, I think I might be wrong is so powerful. And I think you might be right. And we try to do a lot of that. And that's why sometimes people listen to our show and don't hear disagreement because we're not disagreeing in a let's yell at each other way. We're we're trying to learn from each other and learn about ourselves in the process of these conversations. I've really gone on this journey with nuance. When we started, I definitely felt like it was make sure and show both sides, make sure and find some source of agreement. And I realized that I was falling in sort of a false equivalency trap sometimes that I started to feel like I I had to advocate for things. Not that I didn't necessarily believe in, but 
give things sort of a chance when I was having a strong emotional reaction. And not that that's always a bad thing, but like Beth says, what I've realized is that nuance is a verb. It's a journey. It's not a destination. And I was trying to find nuanced conclusions to our conversations. And I think we always want that in America. We want a conclusion. We want to decide who's right, who's won, who gets the final say. And what nuance has become for me is just to say, no, we don't, we don't have to do that. We don't have to say there's two sides. We don't have to pick one side as a winner. We can say, um, we don't have to agree to disagree. We can just say, this is how I feel. These are my values. Where do our values align? Where do they not? And that's, that's just the first step of a long journey. That's what I've learned more than anything. Nuance is a journey, not a destination. That is just the practice of coming back to conversations when they're difficult, when we can't, maybe we can't find sources of agreement, when our values do seem to conflict, we just come back again and again and again and try to um, find a way to coexist and acknowledge that those disagreements, those different values can be a source of strength, can be a source of connection. I think that the biggest thing that we say on this podcast that has become sort of the representation of nuance to me is Beth always used the analogy of gas and brakes that with government, I'm the gas. I'm like, government can fix it. Let's fix it. And Beth's like, hold up. Beth is the brakes. And with corporations, Beth is the gas. She's like, private business can do this. And I'm like, oh, hold on. Brakes. This is where it went wrong last time. And that 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 driving the car, driving. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm creating this very big metaphor, but we're on the journey of nuance and we have to have people that are the gas and the brakes to go to go forward, to speed up when it's appropriate, to slow down. And that's what it means. It means it's it's finding how to use both of those, how to welcome both of those to realize that a journey isn't just all acceleration and you're not on a journey if you're stopping all the time. So I think that's what nuance has come together to mean in my mind as we've been doing the show over the years. And I just want to stay with that beautiful transportation metaphor for a second, Sarah, and say that that we recognize for the entire journey that we both need to be in the car. We mm-hmm. also recognize that we need to stay on the road because as much as politics mm-hmm. has become distasteful and exhausting and sometimes and we're going to talk about this today, you get into these circumstances where you don't know what to believe and you just want out. Right. You just want to think about the PTA meeting or what's going on at church or What's on TV that's interesting, that's not political? You know, as much as you want to just take an exit ramp, because sometimes this is really difficult, I think another component for us of nuance is that you stay on the road and you keep driving and you keep challenging yourself to say, I might not like everything about the Republican Party, or I might not like what the Democratic Party is doing on X, Y, or Z, but I'm staying in, I'm staying here, I'm going to keep going forward. Because all of this, the only thing that politics really does is figure out how we want to live together in community. And that is our responsibility. Mm -hmm. I think being in the car is so important. And, you know, you as you've been on road trips, there's a lot of times where you're like, I just want to get out of this car. But, yo, we're in the car. We're just in the car together. (laughs) Unless you're planning on moving or unless by some... um, accident of history, you know, California leaves the union or whatever state represents what you abhor leaves the union, then we're in the car together. And that journey, any sort of road trip you've ever taken in your life, 
is not all easy and it's not all comfort. Getting somewhere involves sacrifice. Getting somewhere involves um, hard choices and being in uncomfortable positions. What nuance has started to mean to me is choosing discomfort, choosing difficult conversations, hard conversations, because I understand that those are essential to moving forward. That moving forward as a country, moving forward as a people is not going to be a process in which everyone is comfortable 100% of the time. It's just not realistic. Um, It's never going to happen that way, that we have to prioritize um, progress and listening and um, the relationship between all of us as Americans, even when it hurts, even when we're angry, even when we're frustrated. And that that is the other aspect of nuance, which is not just embracing things you um, might disagree with, but embracing the process that makes you uncomfortable. And we focus on American politics because that's... Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional support water bottle, and that steamy bee treat, but wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut. To explore the bounds of your pleasure, new content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high-quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is going by so quickly, and I had a little bit of a moment of panic about it this week. I thought to myself, I'm losing track of time. It's going so fast. It's going to be December before I know it. My kids are growing up, and I just kind of was spinning out. And I stopped, and I closed my eyes, and I pictured my last therapist, who I haven't seen since the end of 2020. But I remember the way he talked me through these issues, and I sort of channeled his energy I put my feet on the ground and thought, this is just how time feels now. And there's nothing wrong with that or right about it. It just is. But those skills that I learned in therapy are so important to helping me take a second to celebrate what's going right and decide what I want to adjust for the rest of the year. If you're thinking of starting therapy, which I cannot recommend enough, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash Pantsuit. The second most stressful thing after planning a trip is packing for it. This is true. This is a true story. I have just told you the clothes I have don't fit. They don't go together the way I want them to or I'm missing some essential piece. And then I discovered Quince. It's my go-to for high-quality vacation essentials. Like this premium European linen dress that's going to get us all through the heat wherever we're traveling. Blouses and shorts from $30. Washable silk 
tops, premium luggage options, and so much more. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than their similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I got big plans for my Quince chiffon pleated skirt in Japan. They like a loose, flowy look over there to battle the heat. I will be adopting that strategy with that skirt. Pack your bags with high quality essentials from Quince. Go to quince.com slash pantsuit for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash pantsuit to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash pantsuit. Where we are, but we have listeners all over the globe, and I think these are universal issues. These are human issues. How mm-hmm. do we want to live together in community can extend far beyond our borders. Honestly, I think a global conversation about what our borders mean is really important right now, not just because of immigration issues in the United States, but because of this trend toward nationalism across the globe, things like climate change, you know, issues like trade. We all need to come together and start talking about what matters to us and what is our understanding of our relationship one to another. And so to me, the exercise of nuance is to continue to come back to that conversation. Sarah, have you listened to Marianne Williamson on Oprah's Super Soul Conversations yet? Not yet. I'm so excited about it, though. It's really good. One of the things that she said in that conversation that just jumped out at me is that In every species, there is such a fierce drive of women, the female of the species, uh, not just to take care of young, but to take care of the habitat. Mm. And that she thinks that political transformation is going to require that quality of mothering, which was so much like the conversation we were having with Jen Hatmaker. And I think that's part of nuance, too. It's like... We care about specific issues. We have opinions about specific issues. We disagree about those issues, and we'll talk about it. But we also care about the larger habitat. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the practice of having a nuanced discussion is to say, listen, issue by issue, very important. But the larger context in how we frame these issues up, the larger processes we use to have these conversations, the entire ecosystem that we're operating in here literally and metaphorically matters. And that's another reason that we have to stay in the car. So thank you for that question, Amanda. We love to kind of reflect on what we're doing here. And it is always evolving. And it evolves in large part because What you hear on the podcast is always just the beginning of these conversations. They are taken to much more interesting places and places we could never imagine in our email correspondence with listeners and the discussions that we have on social media. And so thank you, everyone, for helping us evolve this understanding. And we can't wait to see where it goes from here. Speaking of listener feedback... Corey on Twitter was responding to our episode about the White House Correspondents' Dinner and asked this question. Can we unpack why jokes about looks are over the line while critiques of morality slash integrity are A-OK? Is it because we reduce women to their appearance and that's how you can inflict the most hurt? And I thought, yes, we should unpack that. That's a good question. Yeah, it's, it is a very um, nuanced situation because people react that way because we want to stop emphasizing women's looks and stop making 
that the sort of end all be all of their value. But in doing so, we are in a weird way reinforcing the idea that looks are the end all be all for a woman's existence. We absolutely are. And I think that one of the reasons that I feel so much empathy for Sarah Huckabee Sanders there are a lot of reasons, but one of them is I look at her and I see someone who looks a lot like me. If we were standing next to each other, I think we'd have very similar stature. Neither of us is what you would draw in central casting to come to the White House podium every day. And I think we play out with Sarah Huckabee Sanders our societal body image issues every single day in ways that are grossly unfair to her. And I honestly think I'll just be very vulnerable for a second. You know, a lot of the times when we react very emotionally to stories, it's because it's really about us, not about the stories themselves. I reacted very emotionally to seeing comments from Mika Brzezinski, particularly about the White House Correspondents Association dinner, because I internalized those comments as a woman who does look like she came out of central casting making herself feel good by standing mm. up for the big girl, okay? Like, that is that is my personal stuff playing out against the backdrop of a new story. And everything in me just wanted to stand up and say, no, thank you, Mika. She did have her own run-in with the facelift comment. Don't forget, that was pretty nasty. She absolutely did, which is so different, as we discussed, from what Michelle Wolf did. Mm-hmm. And Mika Brzezinski will, on her news program, make comments like, I don't know how she sleeps at night about Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And to Corey's point, that is a lot harsher than she turns lies into eyeshadow from a comedian. And so for me, I felt like that comment from Mika Brzezinski was a way, one, to deflect from a joke about her own personal relationship And two, to kind of prop herself up as we still can't figure out what to do with body image issues in the United States. And it really bugged me. It bugged me so much more than anything Michelle Wolf did. And I don't disagree with one of our longtime listeners, Lou, when he says, like, when the when the media gets a chance to be like, look, we defend Trump people like they jump all over it. Like, look, we're fair because that nuance to the media is false equivalency. We treat everybody the same, which is unrealistic, um, untrue. And unneeded, in my personal opinion. But I do feel like every time they get a chance to be like, see, we're fair. See, we stuck up for Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Like, And it just kind of reads as that. Even if it's sincere from the individual woman, the light, the sort of group reaction was just felt kind of icky. And to your point about the cyclical nature of things, taking up for the large person just reinforces how critical size is to everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And look— I'm, I'm talking about this from my own personal stuff. I think Sarah Huckabee Sanders is a very attractive woman. I just think we haven't figured out how to call her that yet. Mm. And I think that we would be doing that every single freaking day if she were not the press secretary for Donald Trump. If Sarah Huckabee Sanders or someone who looked like her were the press secretary for President Obama and handled herself accordingly, I think every single day we would be talking about what a revolutionary figure she is for us. Yeah, that's probably true. Moving on to someone else inside the Trump orbit who can't stop talking, only this time much to Donald Trump's detriment. Rudy Giuliani had some things to say. He's Trump's lawyer now, y'all, in case you couldn't keep up. Or as as my husband said, I walked in last night, I was not following this whole controversy. And he goes, I don't think Rudy Giuliani is a very good lawyer. (laughs) 
I mean, when was the last time he was a liar? So he comes on TV and he says, oh, just kidding. In direct opposition to everything Donald Trump has said, he did actually reimburse Michael Cohen for the hush money payment to Stormy Daniels about their affair, which in his mind, I think he was trying to get them out of the campaign finance reform uh, situation. Didn't do that and also made everything worse. Keep talking, Rudy. Just keep talking, buddy. I don't think this was about campaign finance at all. I think this was about Michelle Wolf and how broke is he? I think Rudy Giuliani went on television to talk about what a teeny tiny amount of money, because it wasn't just that he repaid the hush money. Yeah, he it became about how small it was. It became that he paid him $35,000 a month, and it wasn't an itemized list, and his lawyer just took care of this because he's very busy and important, and this is nothing mm-hmm. to him anyway. It's not my much money. Not much I money. think this is 100% about throwing his wealth around. I don't think the president cares about campaign finance violations. I think the president knows that all of America believes that he had this affair with the with Stephanie Clifford and they don't care. And so he's not fighting about that too much either. But the wealth thing, I do think, eats at him. And I think that's why Rudy Giuliani did this. So I had a very extensive conversation with my electrician yesterday about Donald Trump, and it really helped me crystallize, as I said in the opening of the show, how I feel about him. I was thinking about and getting fired up about this and now that we're basically acknowledging that he lied before when he said he did not make any of these payments about how we now have a story in which he we know he falsified his medical records like the doctor has come out and said that he basically typed it and they took his records and all these things while at the same time accusing Hillary Clinton of some mass health conspiracy and I was just getting all fired up about this and I was just I'm, I was in that place where I get so frustrated by the fact that the lies seem to have no effect on him. And I thought, you know what, just for my personal sanity, I'm going to start summing it up this way. I don't trust anyone who cannot say, I'm sorry, I don't know, or I got it wrong. And this man cannot say any of those three things. And that is the core of my problem with him, that he cannot has not, and will not say, I'm sorry, I got it wrong, and I don't know. I just, I can't. I just can't. As most of our listeners know, I regularly see a therapist and believe that all of us should. And in my last therapy appointment, I was seeking advice because our seven-year-old daughter, Jane, had started kind of casually lying. Did you brush your teeth, Jane? Yes, and she had not. And just little things like that. And also bigger things where she was lying to avoid what she thought would get her in trouble. And I was asking for advice on how to deal with this. And my therapist, who is so laid back and awesome in every way, looked at me and he said, this is the hill to die on as a parent. Mm. This is the one. Everything else you can acknowledge as a phase. You can let it go. It's not that big of a deal. Kids are just being kids. Lying is the hill to die on. Because when people get into a habit of lying, they honestly don't know how to stop. And he said he doesn't even see patients who are who reach out because of a lying problem. He just doesn't even try. He said, I've tried and tried over the years in my practice. People who practice lying cannot stop. Dang. And they cannot be honest with themselves. And they cannot sit in this room and be honest with me as their therapist. And there's nowhere to go from there. And so what I want to say about this is whatever your sort of partisan beliefs are, I think this is kind of the hill to die on in Mm -hmm. our public discourse. I think this casual lying, 
You don't have to care about the affair. I, I don't. I don't like it, but I don't care about it. Um, there are so many things that you could say, the substance of this passes me by, but I really want us to be troubled by the constant and casual lying. And the fact that we hear these interviews and think, I don't know what to believe. That is a problem. Mm-hmm. Well, let me say this. This is another thing I've been thinking about with Donald Trump. I do care about the affair because I don't think it was an affair. And I don't really like that it's continually categorized as that. I think in the exact same way that Bill Clinton used his power against Michael, Monica Lewinsky and should have resigned. I'm in the, the new Democratic camp that says he should have resigned. That Donald Trump repeatedly used his power to manipulate women into feeling pressured to have sex with him. And I think that's what happened with Stormy Daniels. Now, she repeatedly says she's not a victim. That's fine. But you see a pattern of behavior in which he pressures women and manipulates women and uses his power in the situation in order for them to have sex with him. Now, if he fell in love with somebody that was not his wife, I have less concerns about that. But sexual situations in which somebody uses the power they have over another person, I have big problems with because it is another form of lying and manipulation. And... Um, it's something that we should all care about and not just blow it off because she's a porn star. I'm not saying that's what you're doing, but I do feel like people are doing that. The other thing I want to say is I was thinking about, everybody take a breath, Kanye, just a little. I've been thinking a lot about like Kanye and his mom. And then I started thinking about Donald Trump and his mom, who is this very kind of shadowy figure. I don't know if she overly defended him or did not defend him against a father that was a very powerful figure who he seem, he seems to have identified and taken on like as... This is what I want to be. I want to be a winner. I want to be a powerful person. And my theory is that because he could not value his mother, that he cannot value women. And the only way he does value women is as sex objects, which is why his daughter, who I believe he loves, he talks about in sexual ways because that's the only way his brain sees women as having value. So he has to talk about how sexually appealing he is. she is. Not because he, she's sexually appealing to him. I don't believe that. But I think that that's the only value he sees that women bring to a situation. And so that's how he has to talk about her. And that is all wrapped up in this situation. The lies and the manipulation and the devaluing of women. And those are not my values. He does not represent my values. And that is a huge, huge problem. I think that's well said. And I, I think your point about not calling it an affair is a good one that I will take to heart and will not call it an affair anymore because I think that's very fair. I don't think that she would call it an affair, right? It no, was like a, it I was a thing. So. It happened. Yeah. And she doesn't consider herself a victim in it. But you're right. It is not an isolated event in his life. Um, it is not for me something that I want to go down the road of impeachment about this particular incident. I've got things on that list that I think we should explore. But well, if you feel like it, there was a felony campaign finance violation, would that be impeachable? If I thought there was a felony campaign finance violation, yes, I think that would be impeachable. Yes, I do. You know, Rudy Giuliani is basically making the argument that, I mean, the argument is if this was done to to influence the election, then it doesn't matter which way the money funneled through, it would still be a felony violation. And I don't know how you make an argument that this wasn't to, to prevent it from influencing the election. I'd be intrigued to hear someone make it. I think it would be a difficult argument to make. I have to say, 
overall, so so you take in everything that happened this week, right? Stormy Daniels is suing him for defamation now. You had his advisor, his former advisor, who was interviewed by the Mueller team. You have this leaked list of questions where I think the New York Times honestly got out over its skis a little bit from supposedly from Robert Mueller. But then, no, it was actually notes that Trump's lawyers made in a meeting with Robert Mueller and that Trump's team actually leaked to then accuse the Mueller camp of leaking. I mean, all of this, to me, I just keep walking back and thinking Okay, Mitch McConnell, you can keep confirming 40-year-old conservative justices all day. What is the point of this? What is the point of continuing down this road? And I don't know how we get out of it. I, I don't. I don't know what to do, especially when Mike Pence is out, you know, praising Joe Arpaio in different rallies. But I'm, I'm struggling. At what point do we say this, this is a person who is just mired in too much to continue, especially when we can't get a straight story about what should be a small issue. If he had just come clean about this, honestly, it wouldn't have mattered. I really believe that. And this is a good um, addition to our conversation of nuance. It We try to judge everything on its own. We don't do, but what if the Democrats are in charge or but what if right. the Republicans are in charge? It What Bill Clinton did was wrong. It doesn't matter if it would have led to a Republican president or a Republican majority or whatever. We have to at some point decide that we are going to judge people on their merits and their behavior separate from the universe in which we're in this constant high stakes bipartisan battle so we can justify everything. That has not served us well. It has not served the Democrats well. It has not served the Republicans well. And we have to get out of that pattern. Right. To me, I'm sitting here making this analysis not about who anybody voted for in 2016. I am saying here today in 2018, I believe that we have a very big problem. And I believe it is a problem that is going to get worse before it gets better. Well, on that note. (laughs) (laughs) On that unlifting note. uh, What is uplifting, I think, is the level of conversation that is possible when we're willing to put down some of that defensiveness and some of the kind of old tapes about partisanship. And that is what Spaceship Media is trying to create in a Facebook space of all places with its project, The Many. So you'll hear from a couple of participants in The Many. Tiffany and Lauren were just so gracious to sit down and talk with us. And you'll learn a little bit more at the end about how you can get involved. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra-concentrated, liquidless laundry detergent. It's the best of all worlds. Earth Breeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and your skin, so it's good for sensitive skin. It reduces plastic waste. All of these things are true and amazing, but let's get to the heart of it. Y'all know I have a laundry system. You know it revolves around training children as young as possible to do their own laundry. Earth Breeze Sheets feels like they were invented for this. Because littles maybe sometimes struggle with those big, heavy jugs. Or maybe you worry about the pods, but here we go. Here we go, y'all. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets. It's like the perfect solution. A child as young as two can handle these sheets. And... Even with toddlers, like you can get them involved. And this is a way to get them helping with laundry even before they could do it themselves. Ugh, 
God, I love it so much. Right now, our listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. That's earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. We do quite a bit of hosting here at the Silvers household, and I think there is nothing that completes a table for dinner. Like a beautiful loaf of bread and wild grain has made that so simple because they send gorgeous loaves of sourdough bread. Lots of spins on the ingredients, but always just this fantastic, high quality, easy to bake in 25 minutes or less from frozen bread that turns out perfectly every single time. I also have to tell you about the free croissants for life that come with your wild grain orders. And those croissants make the morning, your brunch, maybe your late night snack flaky and like you're sitting in a French cafe and they're just perfect every single time. That's what I love about Wild Grain. It's easy, it's consistent, it's fully customizable. It is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. For a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. You heard me, free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit, or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Welcome, everyone. We are so excited to be joined today by the team at Spaceship Media and two of their participants in their new project called The Mini. We have had Jeremy and Eve on before to tell us about The Mini. But Jeremy, give us a a quick rundown before we let Tiffany and Lauren jump in and tell us what it's been like to be a part of this project. Okay. Um, The Mini is a uh, project, an online uh, closed Facebook uh, community that will bring together uh, 5,000 women from around the country uh, of all political stripes, um, conservative, uh, liberal, libertarian, independent, uh, in a conversation through the year in advance of the midterms. And it's a moderated conversation. Great. So, Tiffany and Lauren, why don't you introduce us and tell us how you found out about the mini and what it's been like participating so far. Tiffany, you want to go first? Okay, yes. Um, So, I am... The Mini has expanded to uh, women all over the country, but it started out with women just in Alabama. 
And so I read about the mini um, on AL.com, which is kind of our main media outlet here in Alabama. And so, um, at, you know, there's been a lot of surprising things about it for me. The mini started out with just women from Alabama, like I mentioned. And so I was really expecting it to be majority, vast majority conservative, but it really wasn't. Um, I don't even, I don't know exactly what the numbers uh, play out to currently, but I, I don't think that a lot of conservatives in the group are actually really actively participating in the conversations, even if they're in the group. So um, I know that the, the moderators have been trying to recruit more conservatives, but that was the first thing that was really shocking to me. If I can jump in real quick, um, this is Adriana Garcia. I'm part of the Spaceship Media. Now we're up to clear thirds. We have 33% about um, Republicans, Democrats, and independents. So it, it is, it has been interesting to us as well, Tiffany, that the conservative voices have been quieter, definitely. Interesting. Why do you think that is, Tiffany? You know, so we actually had this discussion in the group at one point, and um, someone threw out the theory that conservatives, specifically in Alabama, this is certainly not true across the country, are not really used to being the minority, are not, um, <laughs> they're just not used to um, not being the, the main voice um, here in Alabama. So I don't know if that's true. Um, I, I'm conservative and I haven't felt offended or intimidated um, to speak out, but um, there probably are people who this might be their first time really having conversations um, with a lot of people that, that view things differently from them. What about you, Lauren? What's your experience been like so far? I also uh, came to the group um, through AL.com. And um, my, my initial reason for coming was to, to honestly figure out how to talk to my own family, mm. who is on the exact opposite of the political spectrum as myself. Um, the Roy Moore-Doug Jones campaign really brought things past the boiling point. Um, in our family when we tried to talk about politics. So I was trying to put kind of an arm's length um, level in there for myself to, to try to build and create some understanding. Um, I'm the first to tell you I'm a reformed broad brusher. Um, I was probably the worst offender. And through my interactions in the group, I now consider myself reformed. I love that phrase, reformed broad brusher. Me too, girl. Me too. <laughs> um, you know, the, I think probably the most overwhelming thing that I've learned is that every, not only every topic, but every person presents an abundance of nuance. Um, and it just so happens that our in our current political system, we're forced under you know, one of two umbrellas, but that really isn't a fair assessment of how and why people make political decisions. How are you finding the format? What is it like to engage in these conversations that help you become a reformed broad brusher online, where I think a lot of us start to develop our broad brushing skills, right? <laughs> I would like to say that, hallelujah, there are no memes allowed. No memes. <laughs> It's no a meme free space. That's awesome. Those are prohibited. And I, I think just that one simple rule has al allowed us to push past the pettiness. You know, mm. you don't start off um, on the defensive. Uh, there, 
I think that there are also a few common denominators that we all share that help facilitate a healthy dialogue versus just a general, um, you know, comment section on an article. And that, that is that we are all women um, and that we've come here with an attitude of understanding. Um, and we all try to be very intentional with our words. Um, and the moderators have also been willing to be experimental with the format on some of the tougher questions. So I think that that helps us kind of work through things where we're forced to listen. We, you know, practice some active listening rather than reading with the mm. intent to respond. Oh, I love that reading with the intent to respond. Tiffany, what do you feel like you've learned about quote unquote, the other side or, and, or about yourself through your participation in the mini so far? I think uh, Lauren actually already touched on this a little bit. It is, there's just so much nuance out there. And I know that, that that's a big thing, obviously on y'all's podcast, but um, you cannot just look at someone who says, oh yeah, I'm a Democrat or I'm liberal or progressive or whatever term you want to use and put them in your mind in a box with every other Democrat, liberal, progressive you've ever met. And, you know, I don't want someone to do that to me when I say I, I'm conservative. So, um, I just feel like it's just really broadened my understanding of even people who label themselves as Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal. Sometimes in my mind, I'm like, well, that's not really what I thought of as a liberal. Mm. Or a, so um, there's just so much there's people are just so much deeper than their political labels. What's the dynamic like with just women in the mix? Do you think it would feel different if it were a mixed gender conversation? Uh, yes, I think it would be different if it was a mixed gender conversation. Um, you know, so going back a little bit to uh, y'all's questions about the format, um, it's been really great, but there are still some issues that are very difficult to talk about in a, uh, a Facebook group. And mm. one of those has been, and one of those has been abortion. You know, it's just really, really hard. There's just so much emotion behind that particular um, issue. And so if then if we added men to this, you know, to a conversation like that, I feel like it would just be, you know, there would be so much tension that it would be pretty much impossible to have that discussion. Oh, I bet. We recently had a, a pretty intense conversation when we invited a um, self-described pro-life feminist on our, our podcast. And, you know, it just... I think even when you have this conversation with women, and maybe because you're having a conversation about abortion with women, um, it feels like there needs to be one. We need to decide because we're women, so we should have one position on this. <laughs> and it's such a good reminder that, like, mm, no, don't work like that. Like, women are not a cohesive group. Women don't feel the same about something even that while I understand on paper it appears that we should um, – something that touches us all in the way that reproductive health and choices do. But like we don't. And that's OK. And I think um, projects like the mini give women space to to practice that coming to disagreement and just letting that tension sit there, just letting it be what it is, which is we don't agree with each other and not agree to disagree because I hate that phrase. Um, but listen, listen in disagreement, engage even with disagreement. And I think that's so important. Well, and also one of the things that the moderators always um, remind us, and honestly, I've been seeing people in the group remind each other, 
we are not there to change anyone's mind. Mm -hmm. Like if that's the goal of you expressing your opinion on the mini, then you're probably just never going to accomplish it. And you're going to end up super frustrated. And so I honestly feel like that is the key to um, just civil political discourse, or honestly, civil discourse in general, is um, our goal is not to change anyone's mind. Like we're not we're not trying to force people to the other side or get people to vote for our candidate. So um, that that has been really refreshing to have conversations with people who they're just they have the same goals I do in the conversation. It's just civil, interesting informative discussion. Well, and I feel like often when you're trying to better understand someone else's mind, which should really be the goal, right? Just, we're just trying to understand each other, be curious. You often understand your own mind much better. In what ways have you guys maybe encountered an issue or a position that you had previously taken um, that you look back now and you're like, I didn't understand that, or it was sort of a knee jerk. Re- I was reaction. I was reacting, not responding. Have you either of you had that experience? I get a lot of deeper understanding of things, um, specifically the topics when it comes to people of color. Mm. We we talk a lot about that in our group, and we designate a lot of space um, to talk about that and listen about that. And, you know, when you are of a different race and, you know, in a different space geographically sometimes it's it you want to empathize or you want to sympathize but you got to listen first mm. um and that's been um really a really eye-opening thing to me um and also you know again we can't lump everyone together um you know i think people of color get also get put in a box all together and their views on things are very nuanced. We, we just had a discussion about the Bill Cosby verdict. Oh, interesting. And, uh, and we, we opened the floor to people of color first. You know, we want to hear um, your thoughts on the matter. And they are just as nuanced as everyone else's. You know, there may be some false assumption that people of color all vote in a block and, and you know, are all one way. And that's been pretty eye-opening to me. Well, and just, you know, thinking about things in a way that that don't come natural to me. I have an example that literally happened just this morning. We were having a discussion about the whole Trump winning a Nobel Peace Prize conversation. And um, we were discussing, like, who deserves the credit? Is it, you know, President Moon? Is it President Trump? Like, was this inevitable anyways? And we were going back and forth. And then someone who is a Korean American actually posted a video of actual Koreans giving their opinions on the, um, on the issue. So like, it never occurred to me to think about what the Koreans think about it. <laughs> I know that, that's sad. Like, yeah. that is really sad, but, um, that like checked me a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't really care what they think about that because it is their countries. So, um, so yeah. You so, know what, what, that that exact that exact discussion played out the exact same way in our mini forum this morning <laughs> verbatim that's exactly how it played out and someone introduced the the korean take on how they feel about it and it was just like minds are blown you mm-hmm. know really interesting 
What, if anything, have you noticed about how participating in this project has impacted your life outside of being in the project? Um, it's definitely it's opened up conversations for, with other people. I've told other people what I'm doing. And I, I mean, I would say the vast majority of people that I tell about this group are like, ugh, like I would never do that. Like I would never want to do that. And I'm just like, why not? And yeah. so it's really just like opened up uh, conversations um, to, you know, challenge other people to, you know, not just seek out these conversations, but want to have them and, and want to talk to people different than them. Um, I think there's a dynamic to the group that um, gives a lot of importance to the way that we're able to talk to each other about politics. And it is that um, the group, we heavily balance our posts um, with non-political posts. Mm. Um, we've, talked about, we've talked about our celebrity crushes, um, <laughs> everything from celebrity crushes to our pets, our families, our goals, our insecurities. There have been some really personal moments and um, I think in some ways that fosters much more tenderness during a heated debate. When you've taken the time to know somebody, um, you often find that you soften to them and it allows you to listen more with empathy. So I think that's a great um, balance in the group and also a really great balance to try to practice in life. Jeremy, did you guys do that the first um, time through on your first Facebook group when it was just Alabama and California? Did you do the personal posts? We did. And I and, uh, uh, have to say it was partly what we were kind of trying to do. And partly a lot of it actually arose from the, uh, the dynamics of the group uh, and the women in the group themselves who just started to ask each other questions about each other uh, and, and, um, and, and sort of uh, post a question about what's going on in the holidays and and uh, what what are you going to do and what are you reading right now and uh and I think that's um part of what um Tiffany and and Lauren are talking about and what uh, hopefully makes the many work in the way that it is is that um we kind of bank on the fact that people are curious about each other and uh and want to know you know more about other people and other people's lives and so if we can create a space where it's comfortable and uh, uh, and and that's a, uh, something that people can 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 uh, pursue. Then, then um, then that can help create the kind of uh, environment that Lauren was talking about. Well, I think that's really great. Beth and I always talk about how we prioritize our relationship in these conversations. But you have to build a relationship, and so those those questions and those interactions are such a great way to build relationship and remind each other that we're human beings. We're all in this together. So, I think that's really. A really sort of lovely way to do this. And thank thank you again for putting together the mini. We can't wait to hear some more um, updates on how it's going. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Tiffany, for coming and sharing your um, experiences within the group and for keeping it nuanced. You're Thanks definitely keeping it nuanced. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much to the team from The Many for joining us. We're looking forward to checking in with this group again. If you are interested in joining The Many, you still can. Please visit spaceshipmedia.org slash The Many to find out how you can get involved. We are looking forward to being with you again on Tuesday for another full episode of Pantsuit Politics. If you haven't, check out our podcast, The Nuanced Life, where we talk about everything that's not political. This week, we're talking about sleep and energy, and especially if you have little ones who won't sleep. You won't want to miss the conversation. Until next week, keep it nuanced, y'all.
Pantsuit Politics is produced by Dylan Garvin. Elise Knapp is our production assistant. Support for Pantsuit Politics comes from our listeners. We especially appreciate our executive producers, George Niedermeyer, Tracy Pidoff, Nicholas Holland, and Chad Silvers. Our theme music was written and performed by Dante Lima. To support Pantsuit Politics, please visit patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics. Subscribe and leave a rating and review in the Apple Podcast Player and follow us on Twitter at Pantsuit Politic and Facebook and Instagram at Pantsuit Politics. <laughs>